This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Everywhere we go, we see visible signs of the pandemic, primarily people wearing cloth masks. But a top expert on respiratory health protection says there's little scientific evidence that cloth masks make a difference. They're required in order to be able to go into a store, but people shouldn't count on them as a means of protecting themselves or as a means of protecting the people around them. Then, tracing the sources of the coronavirus involves a lot of dedicated people. It's affected by the number of cases, the density of the population, the number of contact tracers you might need could be different depending upon all these circumstances. Those two stories and more are ahead on this week's show. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. We're urged to wear cloth masks to prevent the spread of COVID-19. But do the masks make much of a difference? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey talked to an expert for the answer. Roy? Thank you, Chris. Dr. Lisa Brasso is a national expert on respiratory protection and infectious diseases, a certified industrial hygienist, and was the director of the Illinois Education and Research Center and the director of the Center for Healthy Work, both at the University of Illinois Chicago School of Public Health. Dr. Brasso, portions of at least 30 states now have face covering requirements while in public areas, and in at least one state, the mask order is permanent unless a vaccine is produced. But you were a co-author of a recent commentary for the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota entitled Masks for All for COVID-19 Not Based on Sound Data. Let's start right there. Tell us about the science that governors and mayors are using as a basis for these orders. Um, I'm not sure they are using any science, to be honest. All right, before we go on, tell us a bit about your expertise in this area. Sure. So I started my career as a laboratory researcher, looking at how respirator filters perform when they're challenged with silica and asbestos aerosols. That required generating aerosols and a lot of expertise in understanding instruments and aerosol sampling instruments. I spent 22 years at the University of Minnesota, and much of that early part of my career was spent evaluating filters, including surgical masks, in my laboratory, testing their efficiency. And I moved from using inert aerosols like silica and asbestos to using biological aerosols. So I know a lot about generating biological aerosols, measuring them, evaluating different kinds of filters. And I then progressed into a number of laboratory experiments on respirators and how they fit people, surgical masks, how they fit people. All of that is very relevant to understanding how masks of any sort, any material, work and how they perform with respect to different particles. So I'm well prepared to discuss the place that cloth masks might have with respect to an infectious disease epidemic like we're having right now. Isn't it just common sense that the medical community wears surgical masks and studies obviously show that they work? Why would they not work for the general public? First of all, cloth masks are not similar to surgical masks. Some surgical masks have better filters than most cloth masks, but surgical masks are actually 
worn by healthcare workers to protect them from sprays or splashes or droplets being propelled into their face by patients who are coughing or sneezing. Their original purpose was to be worn by surgeons and surgical staff to prevent emission of large droplets created during talking or conversation during a surgery and to prevent the infection of open surgical wounds. They're not meant to prevent inhalation or to protect the wearer from inhaling small particles. They do not have the capability of doing that for two reasons. One, their filters do not work very well for small particles, and two, they don't fit your face at all. So you'll have a lot of leakage around the edges of a surgical mask. I know that healthcare organizations are giving healthcare workers surgical masks now as a means of protecting themselves with the expectation that the transmission is only by large droplets. I wrote another article for SIDRAP that talks about aerosol transmission, which is the inhalation of small infectious particles near the source, near a patient. There are plenty of data to suggest that this is a possible and highly likely mode of transmission for COVID-19. A surgical mask will do nothing to prevent the emission of such small particles, nor will it protect you from inhaling such small particles. So that's the story about surgical masks. And my recommendation in that article you mentioned was perhaps they should be used as source control on patients with COVID-19 in healthcare settings. They really have no place for the public because they're short supply. That healthcare workers should be wearing respirators because I am concerned about their inhalation of small aerosols. And that's the only thing, a respirator, a fit-tested respirator is the only thing that will protect healthcare workers from inhaling small particles. So let's talk about the homemade masks that most people are using. Okay, so cloth masks have very, very low filter efficiency, even for larger droplets worse than the majority of surgical masks. And you can get a cloth mask to get somewhat higher efficiency, maybe more like a surgical mask, but you need layers and layers of cloth, at which point it's almost impossible to breathe through them. The types of things that people are making out of quilting material or t-shirts or other homemade mask materials, one layer, maybe two, it's going to give you very little protection in terms of inhaling small particles or even preventing the emission of small particles. So what I tell people is, you know, when they ask me about these requirements for wearing cloth masks, I mean, you have to follow them because they're required in order to be able to go into a store. But I really think people shouldn't count on them as a means of protecting themselves or as a means of protecting the people around them. And so it doesn't make up for the need to continue to maintain distance and minimize the number of contacts that you have with people. What I'm seeing in some of these directives is that this is seen as a replacement for social distancing, that the wearing of a cloth mask now allows you to go into a store to shop and to interact with people, to be close to people, to spend time next to people. None of that is an appropriate recommendation. We should continue to maintain as much distance and minimize contacts as much as possible. Our guest on InfoTrack is Dr. Lisa Brasso, a national expert on respiratory protection and infectious diseases and a certified industrial hygienist. 
Dr. Brasso, up until a few weeks ago, all the experts said masks for the general public were not necessary. Why was that advice reversed? That's a good question. I think certainly CDC posting information on their website saying that cloth masks were okay, even in healthcare settings, which sort of astonished me, but that they would be okay as an intervention or, you know, a preventive measure for the public. And then you had the Surgeon General showing how you make and put on a cloth mask. They entirely reversed themselves in terms of their recommendations. I do not know why or how that happened. And if you look at the references that they cite for those recommendations, there are no references that actually discuss or even address cloth masks. All of the references are concerned with asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic transmission. What I think they're implying is that because there are so many people who are potentially infectious without us knowing, then somehow cloth masks are going to protect us from all these unknown infected people. But it begs the question because those unknown asymptomatic, presymptomatic people aren't coughing and sneezing. So they're not generating really large particles. That must be small particles in inhalation. And that means you wear a respirator. So it's very confusing and disconcerting that we were telling people don't wear masks. And now we're making it a requirement of reopening. I think wearing a mask may make some people feel safer or more secure. And of course, there's the old adage, better safe than sorry. Are there any downsides to the use of masks by the general public? I don't have a problem with people wearing them. But I was reading the directive from San Francisco, and they allow you to use a balaclava. You know, you can just put a bandana around your face. I mean, the kinds of things that you can use as a cloth mask are so crazy and sort of, you know, pretty much if you tie a piece of cloth and use rubber bands, that's actually what that says in the San Francisco directive is that you can put a piece of cloth and attach it with rubber bands to your face and that'll be just fine. Suggest to me that they're also not taking this very seriously. I mean, what is it that you'd expect a cloth held on by rubber bands or a bandana tied around your nose? What is that going to do? Almost nothing. You know, it should be obvious that this is a sort of crazy thing. You're right, it isn't going to hurt anybody, but it isn't really going to help a whole lot. And if people to start depending on it and then spending time together, I think we will see the same amount of transmission going on that we've been seeing when we weren't closed, which is a lot of transmission. I'm sure many people who are listening to this are very skeptical because they've been hearing the opposite advice from governors and a lot of the upper echelon of health experts. Why do you seem to be a lone voice on this topic? Well, you know, I think I'm not entirely a lone voice. Many health and safety professionals and industrial hygienists have written to me that they agree and they understand the data. It's fairly esoteric knowledge, an understanding of how filters work, how respirators work, how things fit on your face. It's a specialized field. And as much as I would never offer advice to people about whether you're having symptoms and you should call your physician about those symptoms, I would never try to diagnose COVID-19. I would not try. There are many things I will admit I cannot do. 
I think it's important for physicians and others who know very little about the data to admit that there is actually something they do not know and do not understand and to trust others who do understand this and their advice. I don't make recommendations willy-nilly. I make my recommendations entirely on the basis of scientific knowledge and data and review of studies, and I did a pretty careful review, and I could find no data to support the wearing of cloth masks and no studies that would support that whatsoever. But it's who do you trust and who are the important voices, and right now the most important voices seem to be not public health officials or health and safety professionals, unfortunately, but physicians and governors. I'll leave that for you to decide how much they really know. And we should point out that we're not advocating for people to break the law. Yes, I agree with that. I don't tell people don't wear masks when it is a requirement, but I also try to warn them that this is not going to protect you a lot and it's not going to protect the people around you. So be careful when you wear a mask. Dr. Lisa Brasso, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you, Roy. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, contact tracers on the trail of COVID-19. That story, coming up. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this. 